Alrighty, welcome everyone to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz, and Adam, I guess I should tell the people it was a bit of a historic weekend that we actually saw each other in person. <laughs> I know. For the first time in like two and a half years, maybe? Yeah, no, we... We we had a beer by the bunker, the entrance to the bunker. Yeah, distanced hang and distance everybody hang. emerged unscathed. Relatively, it was it was good. So. Oh yeah, no, everyone's everyone's feeling great. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That was that was a fake laugh. That was a fake cough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sure hope so, man. Because mm. <laughs> anyway, the bunker shields were down. <laughs> the bunker shields were down. Um, yeah, anyone could have. And any any number of germs could have got in there. Anyway, mm-hmm. Open Source is the CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show. And you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians. This week, though, we're just going to talk about the news, including Patrick Brown. He is out of the conservative leadership race. So who's to blame? And is this now officially a coronation for Pierre Polivare? Then, the premiers met this week and agreed that the national healthcare system is on the brink of collapse. Cool. So what are they going to do about it and what can we all do about it? And finally, the United Kingdom is now having a conservative leadership race of its own after Boris Johnson finally decided to grant everyone's last wish and leave. Uh, for the love of God, please leave. Is uh, has, has been in the air for the last year. Um, so we will bid good day to the man called Bojo. And his many exciting adventures over the last 10 years. But first, the internet, you may have heard of it. uh, And it was hard to find a Canadian that wasn't affected by the fact one company wasn't able to provide access to it. Late last week, uh, Friday, whether you were Rogers customer or not, you were probably affected if you tried to go and buy anything with your debit card. Uh, You couldn't if you had to call 911 in Guelph. (laughs) (laughs) you were probably in trouble shouldn't laugh um even if you just wanted to you know call up the police state the police hadn't the police in guelph had an alternative administrative number for the weekend which was crazy um also presumed you were able to access the police website in order to get the alternative number so if you were like stuck on the phone trying to call you know 824-1212 you're uh probably sol but now uh we are kind of in the um I guess, what are we going to do about it phase of all this? Uh, uh, Francois-Philippe Champagne, the uh, Minister of Science, Innovation, Science, Technology and Innovation, I think that's the right order, uh, had a meeting with the owners, the three owners of 90% of Canada's telecom network on Monday and has produced some, I would say, fairly obvious uh, direction going forward. But uh I think a lot of people are waking up to the idea of just how fragile the system is. If one company can lose service while doing like a what sounds like a pretty basic maintenance upgrade, and the entire the entire country is paralyzed for like twenty four hours, it's like the original bug with a moth landing on the machine and <laughs> the whole room catches fire. That's, That's right, <laughs> pretty much right. Yeah, so Champagne had that meeting and he was asking for um, the major telecoms there is only major telecoms generally with a few exceptions to mutually assist each other when something like this happens to give emergency roaming 
to people like let's just do a bit of switching and then people can mm-hmm. do what they need to do maybe mm-hmm. and then some kind of emergency protocol which is a bit amorphous it's like emergency protocol here's a hot tip for people that just want to pass on if you take the chip out of your phone regardless of what the service is you can dial 911 it neutralizes mm-hmm. your phone you mean the sd card yeah so yeah what did i say the chip? you said the chip which is is kind of ambiguous but go ahead <laughs> I'm, I'm talking the old language, Adam, because, you know, I'm one of these people. See, the people that remember the before time when there was no internet were generally unaffected by this, right? Yeah, now, I, yep. I have my mobile phone. It buys time from Rogers. And you know what? It didn't ring. And you know what? I didn't care. Um, but there's, there's different levels of not caring. There's the level of, oh, my goodness, I can't look at TikToks all day. But then there's like, oh, my God, I can't get an ambulance Mm -hmm. and and we're going to talk about that in a bit how you can't get an ambulance anyway uh Mm -hmm. so there's many many layers to this right but Mm then you know champagne sits down with them and says okay well we need to figure out what's going on you know what's going to happen and this is just my opinion nothing nothing Mm -hmm. is going to happen Mm -hmm. there's this flurry of it's kind of like the blackout in 2003 and i saw a lot of comparisons to that people that remember the blackout 20 years ago. So the power, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And then they were blaming, they blamed Canada. They were blaming everybody, mm-hmm. never themselves. Now Rogers did fess up to this thing, like you said about the, you know, there was a failure in the network with an upgrade. Um, I'm sure some heads rolled, but they would have been at lower levels. Like it won't be, is it Ted Rogers the third? What Rogers are they up to now? I don't know. Like that nothing yeah. will happen to the oligarchs. Oh, sorry. The, uh, those in charge of the company, right? It's just like, it's a fair they comparison. Enough, they, yeah. They have enough power and influence that it, that it doesn't matter. Right. So they, they control what they control, but it, it's when it reaches into the realm of say, uh, bank machines, not able to get an ambulance, um, business, businesses certain businesses essentially closing down like you said the police right mm-hmm. like i don't know if cb channel 9 is a thing but if you have a citizens ban <laughs> you can get on channel 9 and call the police i don't even know that applies anymore but mm-hmm. there you go i'm from a different time so mm-hmm. um i wouldn't say completely unaffected but it's like it's easier for somebody like me to take a step back and say well you know well, I mean, they're, they're, they've been cutting corners for years on the tech, and you see that on the consumer end. Um, you see that with, I mean, just like if you get the cable box, you know, I have a cable box. It, it, you know, granted, it is smaller than like it used to be a freaking brick that, that would, they would come and install. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's just it's, it's not very sturdy. I mean, you can say that about a lot of technology, but it, it really does seem like they're going for the sort of lowest common denominator. Um, a lot of the installation and a lot of the service work is done by contractors now. So they're not like Rogers peeps. They're, you know, they're sort of freelancers. Um, meanwhile, you know, we have some of the most expensive telecom rates in the world, uh, not just like the Western Hemisphere or the, the, um, <laughs> the G20 or whatever in the world. And, you know, this is what we kind of get for our money. Meanwhile, they're like buying up stuff left, right and center. And one of the big things that people have been talking about coming out of this is what can happen with the Shaw merger. Interestingly, apparently Rogers met Rogers and Shaw, I guess, met with the, the competition bureau just a couple of days before this happened um, to talk about, you know, what else they could, I guess, throw overboard to make <laughs> to make this merger more competitive because they already agreed to sell 
Freedom Mobile, which is uh, currently a Shaw company. It's uh, a sell Freedom Mobile to Quebec Corps, I believe. And mm-hmm. um, the competition bureau said that wasn't enough uh, in, in to, to make the, I guess, the deal more competitive. And so they were, it, it, the likelihood was that Shaw Mobile was also going to go overboard. But I mean, there, there were still a lot of questions. I mean, and this has got to. And we, we talked about this on the weekend that, you know, that whole Vashi Capella interview with the, the Rogers right. uh, VP, who is, you know, she asked, like, uh, is this going to affect the merger? And the lawyer pulled the book on the interview off screen. He just said this, this interview is over. Yeah. <laughs> <In the background. laughs> so, you know, it. I, I got to think. And Michael Geist, uh, who, who is kind of like the guy on uh, tech here in Canada, his his website as kind of agrees that the, the, the deal is toast. You can't go through this deal, um, which makes Rogers even bigger after Rogers hasn't, I mean, to be generous an oopsie that basically shuts down Canada for a day. Yeah. And beyond too, because I guess in some places, including Guelph, there's, there was, you know, patchy service, not being able to get on the network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all annoying too, mm-hmm. right? To a degree, mm-hmm. depending depending on what you're doing. Like I said, there's different there's different levels of inconvenience. But some people, you know, you'd figure the world had stopped because they can't, you know, binge watch Stranger Things. But that, you know, that's <laughs> hey, if that's what you're doing, that's what you're doing, right? You're paying for the service and you're not getting it, right? But part of it too, of course, when this things like this happen, talk turns to like what are the alternatives? And one that isn't being examined widely is do you make something like telecoms public mm-hmm. and not even necessarily government owned, but maybe well, here's, here's my you know wild card suggestion cooperatively run and owned by the people, which mm. actually is a setup, believe it or not in the United States, a lot of the uh, utilities that came out of the uh, came out of the depression, mm-hmm. trying to get uh, power and telecommunications to people in rural places they created a cooperative system where the people own it, people run it, the people, and and it, a lot of them have lived on to this day. The Canadian example is SaskTel, which was started over a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. publicly owned, nationalized by the socialist government of Tommy Douglas in the forties. Not mm-hmm. even Brad Wall, with his tinkering, however many years ago that was, could destroy it. So as mm-hmm. even though we have what's essentially a conservative and conservatively run province. But don't touch our healthcare and don't touch SaskTel, mm-hmm. which are two, um, let's just call them for what they are, socialist constructs owned by the government and owned by the people, right? So that's, right. there is an example right there. You don't even have to call it socialist. It doesn't matter. It's like if you had a network that was independently controlled, not by, like I alluded to earlier, the oligarchs, mm-hmm. then people could use that. And, it's, you know, an example is like you, <clears throat> I know that you went, to the university to try and get a mm-hmm. connection mm-hmm. happened, right? Mm-hmm. So that's sort of a smaller scale example of, you know, quasi publicly run, right? You mm-hmm. were able to get on there. You're able to do the things you need to do. Uh, not Obviously they're not directly supplied by Rogers, but it was the same with the people squatting at Starbucks, coffee yeah. shops, <laughs> Starbucks, other places, even, you know, Tim Hortons. Interestingly, they had that shot on the news of the people and you can see the Rogers building in the distance. Mm-hmm. It would have been interesting if you could go beside the Rogers building and see if you got a signal. It's like, well, where are they getting their service from? Right. So, 
Well, that I mean, that was the question. And even the like the apparently the CRTC, um, its lines were down because they're on run. It's just yeah, it, it's so crazy. And you're right. It's ironic. Yeah, it's ironic. Yeah, it, it, you're right that there's there's no discussion about even in an emergency situation. Like if, if Rogers goes down or in the future, if like Bell goes down, just like saying like, OK, it's this is an emergency situation. We're going to take over the lines until the end of the emergency. I mean, and there are a lot of different areas where there are emergency provisions for things where, you know, the emergencies act, that's a thing Um, that, you know, maybe it sounds a bit hyperbolic to say that the internet's down in an emergency, but I mean, that is kind of where we are now. This is a utility on par with hydro and water. Uh, The, you know, the world stopped businesses weren't able to, um, process as many transactions uh you know people don't have as much cash on hand some of the bank machines apparently were were um <clears throat> internet enabled with with rogers internet so you could even get cash out of the atm in some places so you know there needs to be some provision to say you know what we can nationalize this in an emergency if one of you goes down we have to sort of pick up the slack but of course that goes against our neoliberal order and free markets and blah, 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 blah. And it's yep. like, well, free markets are not infallible, which is why we still have stuff like hydro and water that's under government control. So should, should we be looking at it in the same way as the internet? We probably should, but I guarantee you, you won't find a single politician in any major party with the potential exception of the communists that would, <laughs> that would go for it. <laughs> <laughs> There needs to be a giant switch somewhere in a in a basement in Toronto. They just flick it yeah. manually, and then everything's just free and wide open until the outage is corrected. Right, and I would say that the biggest thing of all, and I encountered this because I have Rogers service at home. Uh, my phone is Fido, which is also a Rogers service. So, you know, I, I get up on Friday morning. Nothing works. I have no idea what's going on. That's, I mean, that's how I ended up essentially at the university um, to, to get online for a while was because I, I packed up my computer um, and I took my phone. I went downtown. I, I went to the main library and it's dead inside because there's <laughs> all the, all that was left was the books and the periodicals. Um, <laughs> I would have been quite happy in the middle. <laughs> but yeah, you like you're, you're so, you know, you had, legions of people wandering around town looking for where the wi-fi is and it's not like well what would you do in that situation well maybe you throw out a thing on twitter like hey anyone know where there's internet but you can't do that because the system is down oh yeah it's just that <laughs> so like i mean just the most important thing of all was like getting everybody in the loop to, to explain like this is what's going on that was a major component that was missing in all this because i think in any crisis, information is key. And if you have information, you can start making decisions about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. The biggest, I think one of the, I mean, the whole thing was a big problem, but one of the biggest problems in all of it was just the information vacuum. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, we, we've forgotten how certain procedures, like how to communicate. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's clear, like I said, not to boast, but people from the before time we remember how to do these things, right? But if mm-hmm. it's if you, if you don't have the channel, <laughs> when you said that's something called the internet, yeah, the series of tubes that's able to communicate, <laughs> you send a runner to the police station to get somebody for help. Like it's just that that is super critical stuff. Or even like say the fire department, mm-hmm. how do you how do you contact them? Is mm-hmm. it back to radios? Who has a radio lying around or a landline? Or a land exactly. Those are the landlines. We're okay. Same as during the blackout. 
Mm-hmm. We were even seeing shades of that during the blackout. It was like, well, my phone died and I couldn't talk to anybody. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> you have a landline that's getting continuous uh, voltage and works regardless. But anyway, that's, you know, the landlines are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's not much we can do about that. But unless if they, if they don't come up with a plan out of this, then it, it's a failure. And then say, let's say the next time the bell goes down, it's a possibility, right? Or whoever, whoever else. There isn't really too many other whoever else's, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but the Rogers people are getting what? You're getting four days or something? Is that what's happening? Five days of... Roger says five days now, which I mean, I it's it's funny because like you pay like what eighty bucks a month, um, so like you break that down by thirty days, it's a few it, bucks. It's it's a couple of bucks. So it's like is is what happened to you on Friday worth a couple of bucks? If you're someone who, you know, all you had planned for that day was you know talking on your phone or sending out tweets or or binging something, yeah, you you. You, you probably weren't that personally affected on the other hand, other hand if you're like a small business exactly. and you couldn't you couldn't process transactions and mm-hmm. you know you, the couple of bucks doesn't cover doesn't quite cover it you know how many people walked out because they couldn't use their debit card to buy stuff that day that i mean that's it, it's really hard to put a pin on this but again i think rogers is kind of caught in this like we have to do something and now it's now it's five days although there's a class action suit apparently where everyone's trying to get a 400 dollar check for the which again seems gargantuan when it comes to the losses some people experience but probably pittance compared to other people but anyway uh we'll have to leave that there and we're gonna talk about patrick brown uh they didn't want him to be the premier of ontario and apparently they didn't want him to be prime minister of canada either (laughs) um although i mean that was a fairly I don't know if I want to say on likelihood, just given the, if you look at some of the opinion polls, I don't think he's ever done better than 10%. Mm. And he's definitely never done te- better than 10% as, as when you poll conservatives, but he hasn't done much better when you poll the general public either. So he um, is out of the race due to um, some financial shenanigans. He tried to phrase it that uh, this was, Pierre Polivier pulling the strings uh, behind the scenes, which um, in the last week since this has sort of come out is, is kind of an even more dubious claim because Elections Canada was also behind uh, investigating some of the claims that resulted in him being turf. Um, it was a whistleblower from inside the Patrick Brown campaign that who, who alleges that she was being paid by third parties, which is a uh, no-no if you are running for office, even if you're running for the head of a party. So, you know, this is a real, this is a real interesting situation because we have this guy who clearly has political ambitions. Um, and well, I would believe that, you know, there are forces out there. And this was kind of on Canada land this week that, you know, there are forces out there trying to keep Patrick Brown's sort of brand of red conservatism down. Um, mm. I think it's also true that maybe he's just a bad politician. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this has been that. I highly recommend that Canada Land to people. It's on Wednesdays at one on CFRU, but it's also um, st- streamable with. Uh, it was Jen Gerson, right? Excellent. Mm-hmm. If you want to extend, we're going to talk about it a bit. But if you want a full, if you want a full, probably an hour on it, it's it's well worth it. Um, so yeah, and it, this is the thing. Like he he, the 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 Polyev campaign is loving this, although oh, yeah. we don't seem to. Ex- be the exclusive driver behind it right there's no 
I mean, but um, Brown has hired Marie Heinen. I mean, this is, she's a big gun lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Who will demand big bucks? Yeah. He's the one, if you don't recall, famously defended the uh, Jean Gomeshi. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's like a hint of irony there in that because there are <laughs> there are these other. Uh, it, well, it came out the like some of the latest on this was that the chair of what they are calling the conservative leadership election organization committee or whatever the you know there's there's an abbreviation for it mm-hmm. um, is and this is because the whole um, like you know I'm, they're expressing concerns that the, the vetting wasn't thorough for Patrick Brown and that speaks to uh, the previous allegations about. Um, sexual misconduct in uh, 2018 right mm-hmm. uh, which led to him getting smoked as a provincial conservative leader the forces as you say that they you know they you know, they're, they're after me they're trying to get me but the even they, at that yeah. time there was some allegations of financial impropriety as well it's like okay yeah how is this guy's got this really expensive uh place i guess it was up in barry at that point right mm-hmm. 1.72 million dollar mortgage uh, on on an MP MPP's wages, like how 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 can you uh, afford this? And then getting loans from other it was just Joe Hall, right, from Brampton, a friend. Yeah, a loan from a friend. Here, here's here, Patrick. Here's three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars because uh, you're my you're my friend. Excellent <laughs> friend. We both wish we had friends like that, right? They're just here. You go. Here's some money. Yeah, so did yeah. did he bend or break ethics rules back then? It would seem that he did, uh, but somehow this committee, uh, have, you know, went through the the motions and said, okay, well, we okay, maybe he didn't. Gets to run, and I don't know if it was like a setup, and it's like we just smack him down again, right? So mm. he does, and he his response is always this weird. I don't, know, I can't. It's hard to describe. I don't know if you see the same thing, Adam. It's the stilted kind of like. Oh, I didn't do abs. I you know, absolutely didn't do anything wrong. But mm-hmm. then these, uh, we're going to talk about Boris in a bit. But then these things come out that you actually did do wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless of his politics, whether he's a red Tory or whatever kind of Tory, he always refers to himself as a Bill Davis kind of Tory. And uh, you know, hands down, Bill Davis was a classier act than this guy is, right? Although Davis did back him, right? Davis. Mm-hmm. For, there's there's some sort of connection there, and that's you know that's politics, and that's fine. But yeah, there does there does also seem to be well, he was a dark forces. There there seems to be <laughs> the odds stacked against the guy in this party for whatever reason, right? Yeah, it's 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 weird um, because I mean we still don't know who made or who gave CTV the tip about the the sexual misconduct allegations, which. Uh, got very muddy very fast uh, pertaining to the age of one of the one of the complainants but yeah it's it's weird and i mean the whole the whole polyvare brown schism is weird because I, I i you know i think they see something in each other that they don't like seeing in themselves which is like these guys who uh, young guys who get into politics early almost because they just they, 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 they have no, um, they have no skills. ability to function. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Skills. Yeah. No. But like outside of that, you know, Polyver starts this communications business and runs for office. Brown graduates. Uh, he works, starts a small business for a couple of years, and and then he gets into politics too. He Brampton City, uh, not Brampton City Council, Barry City Council, and he goes into. But they're both Harperites. 
Um, you know, I get brown eventually. Bring the fire, right? Yeah, right. It, it, so, you know, it's just, it's, it, they just have this sort of weird schism between them. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's been interesting seeing this alongside the, the stuff going on at Brampton City Council, where they've been struggling for weeks to get quorum to hold a meeting, essentially because the uh, Brown and a couple of allies on Brampton Council don't want this appointment to fill a, a vacancy uh, left by Charmaine Williams. Um, the rest of council does. Patrick Brown is is phrasing this as kind of like an assault on him because they want to investigate. Uh, some of his uh, dealings as mayor, where apparently he's like giving single source contracts to friends, including about half a million dollars for this Brampton U in- endeavor that, you know, when you have those kind of allegations that, you know, he's the head of a city and, and a lot of people have made this point, you know, Brampton is not a small town in the middle of nowhere. It's the, I think it's the ninth largest city in the country. And on top oh, yeah. of that, like there's like the specious, <laughs> the specious circumstances in which he ended up running for mayor of Brampton, where he was just like looking for another government job. He's kicked out of the conservative leadership. Uh, he tries to run for leadership again. Everyone tells him it's a bad idea. So he doesn't, he tries to run for the chair of Peel region. Doug Ford takes that away. And then he decides he's going to run for mayor of Brampton. And as soon as an opportunity opened up to run for the leadership of the conservative campaign, he jumps on that too. Yeah. So, I You're mean, all just, over the place there, son. Yeah. It's just clear that he just wants to work in government. He loves that government paycheck. And, you know, just getting down to brass tacks, does that sound like a conservative leader to you? <laughs> no, not at all. And that, you know, the, you know, the Ford move was pretty vindictive because we know that. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doesn't like him. Right. But two wrongs you go don't to, make a right. Yeah. Yeah. I came across. Uh, <laughs> Brown's website almost by accident when we were researching this. And if you go to, and I'm not encouraging people to do this, but fighter leader winner. Yeah. <laughs> is the URL for mayor Brown's website. So he's reverted. To, I don't know if it, I had never looked at it before, so I'm not sure whether he's been, I mean, he is mayor Brown. I'm not sure when he was in the leadership campaign, whether the website was parked or something and he had to put it aside, but yeah, there is this weird, I have to be in government at all costs and not only that be like a top dog Mm -hmm. or at least aspire to be a top dog. Whereas when he was a backbencher before Mm -hmm. it was just, he was just kind of there and he wasn't, he wasn't known for anything. Right. I think we talked about this before. Yeah. Like he had, there's no, there's no record there. There's, there's no mojo there. He didn't stand out in any way. He's just like, not even an operative. He's like a, a a backbencher is a backbencher. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them try and do things. Uh, sometimes they're interesting left or right, uh, <laughs> but he, he didn't really do anything. He was just kind of there. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and then has all of these aspirations, but there's, there's, you know, there's in my opinion, there's no, there's no real magic there. You know, could be a populist like Doug Ford could be a John Tory type out of business. And we forget that John Tory was the leader. Yeah. Uh, at one point as well. And now, you know, he's mayor of Toronto and occasionally they will mention that. So he was, you know, his leader of the Ontario Conservatives. Um, and if you listen long enough, you can hear it in him. Right. But that's what he was uh, going back to the Rogers topic. He was talking about that. Right. But yeah. Brown doesn't really have any secret sauce. Right. Well, I would say the same about Paul. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's a different story. Right. That's a matter of just, personal taste. <laughs> just as an aside, did you see the thing with Paul Evan the wood on Twitter? Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. 
Hard to, hard to miss. How that is just like that is painful. I mean, I will say this about people: just take a look at the guy's hands, and anybody who's playing the working class card, just take a good look at the manicure job, and you'll see where that's really <laughs> coming from. Okay, speaking no. as a working class person, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with treating yourself to a manicure, but I mean, it's, no, it's, but it's, it's, it's straight out of the Ben Shapiro playbook, though, because Ben Shapiro did like apparently like Home Depot came out and like in favor of trump in like 2020 like they're the ceo and i had some trump connection bench was like i'm gonna go home depot and show my support by buying this you know shelf-sized piece of wood i don't know what i'm gonna do with it because i don't know a thing about woodworking but it's all about the virtual virtue signaling and i mean you know yeah that's a complete plonker can i say that right (laughs) well i well, I don't think it's a swear, so... Um, <laughs> In certain circles it is. I guess we'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. Um, but, I mean, it's it's on brand for a lot of these sort of, you know, intellectually... You know, people who want to be considered, like, intellectual conservatives, like, real thinkers of of the right in the 21st century who are just, you know, kind of in it to be... or who Who seem to mistake being a jerk for being smart and those things. I mean, say what you want about Patrick Brown. He's not a jerk. He doesn't seem like a jerk. He just seems really, really bad with, <laughs> with people, stuff. <laughs> with, with, with people who want to write him checks. And he's just like, sure, that sounds great. Um, and in finance law is kind of where, I mean, <laughs> not, not to compare Patrick Brown to Al Capone, but I mean, ask Al Capone about, not what happens when you don't cross the I's and dot the T's on your ledger. Um, lawyer on retainer, right? That's, that's good. That's always good advice. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. I'm going to come back talking about uh, hospital delays and Bojo. You are listening to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. <laughs> our Royal Cat Records pick of the week. Royal Cat Records 21, Matt Donnell in the downtown. And speaking of 21, that is number 21 <laughs> on the CFRU chart this past week. The band and artist is called Art Deco, apostrophe, like D apostrophe echo. The album, and I love this title, After the Head Rush. <laughs> and the song was called Paper Bag. Nice paper bag which is what you should probably take with you if you're going to the hospital or you know make sure you grab your paper bag lunch if you're taking an ambulance trip or to the breathe hospital. into it so or breathe into hyperventilate. it it's yeah. right uh because uh, delays are pretty commonplace at hospitals these days not just here in ontario it seems to be a nationwide phenomenon indeed the premier's meeting that just wrapped up in bc was largely about how uh the nation's healthcare system is 
crumbling. Oh, there goes an ambulance now near my house. How's uh, that for timing? Yeah. That's good. Excellent timing. It's almost like I planned it. I did not. Um, but I mean, it's it's kind of apparent. And whenever you look at the headlines, uh, the hospital in nearby Mount Forest, they are closing their emergency room overnight this weekend, which I believe is the second or third hospital in a kind of our general facility, like uh, the St. Mary's hospital, not St. Mary's in Kitchener, but the St. Mary's town hospital also was closing its doors, the doors to its ER over the weekends. And then of course, a lot of people have posted online, like pictures of ambulances lined up outside the Guelph general. Um, A couple of weeks ago at committee, the paramedic chief, Stephen Dewar said that they had uh, a code red incident in May where there was no ambulance available for 16 minutes. And that's just not Guelph. That's, you know, Wellington County as well, because Guelph provides paramedic service to Wellington County. So, uh, there is very clearly a crisis. The question is, uh, what can be done about it aside from, you know, begging Daddy Justin for more healthcare money? Yeah, and that is, it's interesting too that they made uh, Horgan the spokesperson because he's he's done. So I guess it's kind of yeah. like, and same with uh, Jason Kenny, he can pre- pretty much just say whatever. Mm. But you know, these these are mostly conservative premiers mm-hmm. generally, but they've got John Horgan doing the talking. Uh, to kind of echo the whole, I think the you know the background of of national public health care, and then the the you know the liberals are chiming in about you know they've got this number and blah blah blah. Um, you know this is a reflection of a couple of things. Of course, one being COVID because you know people are maxed out, people mm-hmm. are sick, mm-hmm. uh, leaving the business because they can't take it anymore. You know, there's there's myriad reasons as to why the collapse is on, right? Mm-hmm. But as we know, let's go back in time. When did the cuts to healthcare begin? Under Chrétien, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. That was when the acts came out as the, the neoliberal model. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, friend of Pierre Trudeau uh, and colleague of Pierre Trudeau, right? Mm-hmm. So the Chrétien Martin years, the slashing began. And I think it's interesting that what is Justin Trudeau's excuse about not going to speak to the premiers? It was like, well, you know, we'll, we'll have a discussion when COVID is over. When is that? 2030? <laughs> COVID over, right? Are you no longer prime minister? We don't know. But, you know, the crunch is on, particularly in small towns, like you mentioned, uh, some of the other ones in the local area, Clinton, Seaforth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's not just the small ones. Um, Brampton. Mm. Brampton's uh, ER was closed on the weekend. Brampton is 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 massive. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Brampton earlier, right? Peel mm-hmm. County, mm-hmm. including Mississauga. There's lots of um, overlap. Um, so you know, it's it's unbelievable. And there, the, people are given the impression that this is a new thing. And I've talked about this before because I spent a lot of time in the ER in Guelph with someone in my family. And I remember being there. There were times it was hallway medicine, and this is a few years ago. This mm-hmm. is pre-COVID. There's hallway medicine. The hallway is full. There are ambulances waiting outside. So this isn't new. But in those days, which isn't that long ago, like I said, it was happening on occasion. There were pressures on the system for whatever reason, right? right. The, the, the reasons, because there are pressures on the system. Uh, but now that it, it's at the breaking point. It's well past the breaking point. And that you know something that is problematic is also the denial about that COVID is gone. That COVID is no, you know, it's oh, COVID masks off. COVID is no longer a problem. It's still the problem. It is one of the main drivers of this. 
mm-hmm. right? It is definitely still an issue. Uh, everything, you know, ambulance drivers on up. So that, you know, to, to just sort of whine about not getting enough money, that's one thing. It's like, okay, what is your plan? This only, remember early COVID, we were talking about triage levels of dealing with issues, mm-hmm. like a MASH hot style hospital in the parking lot or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is the response right now that is required. But then again, where do you find the staff to staff that if they aren't there? Do you call in the military? Well, that's the that's the Canada thing, right? wide. Yeah. <laughs> and Blaine Higgs made this point. It's like, you know, you can throw all the money you want at this, but, you know, it, it, money doesn't matter if you don't have, you know, the, the people to spend it on. I mean, and that's that's the biggest portion of, of any budget is the people. Um, whether you're, you know, building a hospital or staffing it, you know, the, the, the biggest cost is the, the HR cost. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was watching the conference with Moore when he announced the, the second boosters and it's just, you know, somebody asked him at one point, you know, what are the number, what are the COVID case counts? If, you know, testing was going whole hog, like, you know, if we weren't like having to, you know, Rounded up, he's like, Well, it'd be about 5,000 cases a day. And like, reporters are like, 5,000 cases a day, like, you're kind of being kind of cool here, given it's like 5,000 cases a day. It's like, Well, you know, we have strong immunity, everybody's you know, most people are triple vax, blah 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 blah. And it's like, Well, fair enough, the circumstances are different, but tell that to the hospital where they're seeing like the, the worst of the worst cases. Um, while also fighting a backlog of procedures, um, people who have, you know, some cases two years delayed, you know, plus all the emergencies going on, plus it's summertime um, when more people are out and about. And so, you know, more accidents and, and things happen. Um, you know, you hear that every summer with the Canadian blood services. We desperately need blood because, uh, you know, uh, need goes up in the summer and, and um, there aren't as many people donating. That's something that happens every summer, no matter what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just there, there's this storm. And, you know, one of the things that we could address is like being a little bit more insistent about mask wearing but you know dr moore was just like eh, well you know if she, you know you can wear a mask and you know it's nice for you i like it when i am out about i see people wearing masks it's like okay well you know what your laissez-faire attitude about this aside it seems like you know that's something we, we have sort of in our own control it's like if everybody took it upon themselves to maximize their own protection from even getting a mild case of covid you know maybe we can start taking some pressure off the hospital, but because nobody wants to wear a mask anymore, because we're tired of COVID. COVID I mean, is over, right? I'm or, done or, with COVID. Yeah, or we have fatigue or whatever, and it's like, I understand that. I hate wearing a mask too, but by God, I don't want to go to the hospital with COVID-19 and be hooked up to a ventilator. Like, that's an even worse mask to be hooked up to, but it's just, you know, I think it's a common third to a lot of these problems is that, you know, there's a problem. Uh, we needs to be addressed, but nobody kind of wants to take any action. It's well, yeah. In, in, a, in a couple of weeks, uh, let's say after the August long weekend, mm. we're going to be having a show about how COVID is biting people on the ass mm. once again. Mm-hmm. It's already happening anecdotally. Mm-hmm. I've heard this through the channels. It's like, this thing is back. People are being affected to varying degrees. In fact, including yourself, Adam, mm-hmm. I don't actually know. I've somehow escaped it. 
Mm-hmm. But everybody in my immediate circle and beyond has had it at least once. Mm-hmm. One suspected twice. But anyway, that's just a personal anecdote. But yeah, part of part of the problem is too, going back to the emerge, the emergency, or the emerge as we call it in Canada, <laughs> that a lot of fa- the pressures are on family doctors as well. And a lot sure. of people in Ontario and in Canada don't have family doctors. Five million. Five million. There you go. So those five million, where do they go? It's either a walk-in, and if a walk-in isn't available, you will go to the eMERGE. It happens all the time. And like, I know for a fact, when I was spending time in there, some of the pressure was people that, okay, we don't know what to do with them. Sometimes it was mental health and actually in Guelph, a lot of times it was mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there's, there was no separation there. So everybody is just in this zoo that is Guelph general and bless them all. They do, they do good work there, right. Mm-hmm. With, with, you know, the resources that they're allowed. I thankfully haven't been there in a while. Don't plan to go. But if, if your wait is 20 hours long, which was one anecdote was somebody had appendicitis. They knew what it was. There's mm-hmm. no one to do it. They can't do anything. There was no room. There's no people to process that person. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but if you, if you think back, what was one of Ford's actually twice now Ford's election promise, we will end hallway health care. Mm-hmm. Now that may have been dropped in a, in a pre COVID universe, but you can't sort of make, well, you can say whatever during an election campaign. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, to say that kind of thing and it just continues on it's worse. it's actually, it's way, way worse Mm -hmm. rather than just sort of begging the feds for money, which, you know, rightly so there needs to be another injection of cash there, regardless of what, uh, regardless of what they're saying. Mm -hmm. They might need to re-engineer certain things and think outside the box and think a bit differently about how they're doing things, right? Right. Whether it's emergency recruitments of, of people, whether the world is maxed out, right? Where do you yeah. get healthcare people? Uh, whether, you know, is the military a possibility? I mean, they, they need to do that desperately because lives are at stake. Well, I mean, I, I do wonder, and I don't have the number in front of me, how many people in Canada are trained medical professionals, whether that's doctors. I mean, nurses seems to be a, where, where the sticking point really is. There just aren't enough like nurses and other support staff. Like how many of those people can you like make operational um, in a short term? But I mean, not to hopefully not looking too darkly into the future, but I mean, I think this goes as long as it takes for someone to die unfortunately uh trying to get to a hospital somewhere like they go to their local hospital and it's closed overnights on the weekend and it's an emergency and then they're trying to get to the next hospital and they die because they have to travel several several kilometers out of their way to find an open er somewhere that's essentially how those things end up changing unfortunately and if we have a system in which a person with long covid is seeking assisted death which i'm sure you heard about Mm -hmm. there's something really wrong System-wide, mm-hmm. it's not just the delays of the hospital. It's like, how can we have a society where somebody with long COVID, which still isn't fully understood or appreciated, is just mm-hmm. kind of like, okay. It was kind of like when everybody had Lyme disease. <laughs> now no one has Lyme disease, but people have long COVID. Uh, sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, this person can't get enough money to function, cannot function. So she's like, I think I'll set the wheels in motion that I can get assisted death. F- something is terribly wrong if that's the society that we're living in. Yeah, it's all connected, like the, the, the healthcare issues, the homelessness issue, mental health addictions. It's 
you know, we have to sort of untwine the or, or unwind the world we've we've sort of created over the last several decades. But uh, we don't have time for that. We need to squeeze as much enjoyment in the last ten <laughs> minutes here. The fall of Bojo, um, Boris Johnson. He finally found the bridge too far, and it was this man, Chris Pincher who was the deputy whip uh, for the conservative party, deputy groper for the conservative party from the sounds Mm -hmm. of it. Um, Apparently it was well known his groping activities uh, before this incident uh, last month. And uh, a number of, (laughs) you know, it's bad when there's literally like a ticker on the BBC. That's (laughs) That's right. Constantly going up with the number of cabinet resignations, which is what finally encouraged Boris Johnson to find the uh, the door out of Downing Street, although he is hoping that he can stay in power long enough to to hold his wedding celebration at the prime minister's country residence. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> checkers, right? It's called it's checkers. checkers. It's called checkers. It's like the right. equivalent of Meech Lake. But yeah, I heard yeah. That, that they had to cancel that. So that's official. It's it's not happening now. Right. So that but that's whatever right it'll <laughs> still happen the guys the guys got he'll find a way money and influence but yeah. something will happen yeah but you, you were saying about the resignation supposedly it was like a record mm-hmm. in uk history right 60 resignations in 48 hours they just started dropping and you know this is this is right after the guy had a confidence vote where yeah. they're still sort of tolerating this person even though we everybody knew and i don't mean the groper but that he that was the tipping point <laughs> With Pincher, uh, Boris Johnson, uh, controversial and problematic individual, mm-hmm. like serial liar for years and years and years, going way back, like early times in the Conservative Party when he worked for the the Times newspaper. Mm-hmm. He he's been smoked for lying twice before. Once was with the Times, where he like made something up, you know, completely. That got him fired but also fired from the <clears throat> front bench of the conservatives. I think it was in, in 2004 mm-hmm. when he was writing for the times, you know, just <laughs> used blatantly racist language among other things. Okay. I don't want to go too far back in time. I guess with this guy, but <laughs> long story short, problematic individual. And the tipping point is this with, with, um, with Pincher. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's it was interesting because, you know, there was the two high-profile resignations. The health secretary, Sajid Javid, and I just heard today that he's he is out of the running. He was one of the potential contenders for yeah. the job. Yeah, him Rishi and Sunak, uh, which is him and Hunt. Yes, and Rishi Sunak is another one who is chancellor of the Exchequer, which is like the equivalent of the finance minister in Canada. Mm-hmm. Smart money. If you're a betting person, put it on that guy. He's probably going to get it. Is mm-hmm. is is my guess. And that's not to say that he doesn't have his own set of issues. You know, there, there's the sort of blanket issues with the conservatives in the UK and what's gone. Why did they get Johnson on board was to quote, get Brexit done. Mm-hmm. Well, look how well that's gone. Yeah. It, it hasn't gone so hot. They can blame COVID. They can blame whatever, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a disaster in my opinion, in the opinion yeah. of a lot of um, people in the UK. My, like um expatriate but i'm just saying like it's yeah. following this from a distance it's like everybody can see that this is going on uh and he and, and when he resigned he didn't actually use the word yeah right he didn't say i resign 
there was there's none of that. He did this sort of humming and hawing. He was blaming. What did he do? He blamed the herd. You know, mm-hmm. the herd is the herd, and the herd will uh, will behave as the herd behaves. Like this is garbage. <laughs> Get your stuff. <laughs> Let them have their leadership campaign. Take a step back and just get out. Yeah, it's interesting it, it, for numerous reasons that, you know, he, just like every week, there seems to be something new. And of course, there is also the thing that he comes back from the G7 and he's meeting with, you know, ex-KGB people behind closed doors without any aids. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? Mm-hmm. Like, you're practically daring them to throw you out at this point. I mean, they hadn't thrown him out already. Um, you know, the thing about Bojo is, you know, he comes, you know, th- this ascent to the prime ministership, uh, you know, after Brexit, and he helped lead the Brexit team to victory. And, and it was very much about winning for a time right like he he leads the brexit team to victory um he has this kind of snap election and people think he's it's going to be a route um he's probably going to come back with a minority comes back with a majority people like a winner and despite like the, the the problems with with boris have been built in from the beginning this kind of frat guy atmosphere this this kind of uh you know just you know doofus politics although he's not a doofus he you know he went to exeter and oxford so it's it's you know he's not you know he he comes from a very privileged background despite his hairstyle um but sorry i had to get one dig in but the the, you know low-hanging fruit (laughs) it's it is low-hanging fruit um but yeah, it, it's just p- people were willing to put up with it while he's winning, but he's not winning anymore. It's a scandal after scandal. He goes into the, I mean, and I had to be reminded of this in sort of like some of the, the recap clip packages. Like he was near death with COVID in the hospital in the early yep. part of the pandemic. Like it was almost like his deathbed. He comes mm-hmm. out of that. What does he do? He's having these parties. Like when you, th- when you think about these two things side by side, like he, co- he escapes the jaws of death in the first wave of the COVID pandemic when there are no vaccines, no treatments, he lives. And then he's going to Downing Street and like, yeah, BYLB surfs up Big Kahuna or whatever they say in Britain. That's the equivalent of that. It's it's it just seems all so reckless. And meanwhile, it's, you know, the country's suffering. They're going through wave after wave of COVID. Their health care is stretched to the limit. They have mm-hmm. incredible economic pressures because of Brexit. They're feeling the inflation pressures worse than uh the eu um because they basically had to rebuild a lot of those economics uh support socioeconomic systems from scratch again a lot of those trade agreements from scratch again and there was that that was all kind of done um on the fly there was never a post-brexit plan which is why it was so difficult to get a post-brexit plan and you know now they have a situation where they're you know there's a global recession in the offing their hospitality industry. I read this today. The uh, the WD Witherspoon pub chain. They're oh, looking yeah, at yeah. a thirty billion pound loss, or yeah, thirty billion pound loss this year, uh, because they have to bring you know do renovations on several establishments. They're having trouble hiring, so they have to hand out for the hospitality industry pretty huge paychecks to keep people on staff, and those roles used to be filled by people coming in from poorer countries in the EU looking for work. And now that's not possible. All those people went home. 
um, because, you know, their work visas and stuff didn't apply anymore. And there's no more free travel between EU countries because of that. And, you know, people are finally understanding just, you know, how how Brexit was not the nirvana that was promised. And of course, he was the face of that. So it's understandable at the same time why, you know, people would want to break up with Bojo, too. Yep, because I mean that was super noticeable. Last I was in London, how many it would it seemed to be mostly Polish, but yeah, Eastern Eastern European workers mm-hmm. doing those jobs, which was a change from the last time I was in London, which was way long ago. <laughs> and then you know you've got this in the back of your head. It's like okay, so what what's going to happen here? Right, mm-hmm. you're not a citizen. You don't have rights. Like you you got Brexit done, and like you say, there's this inability to fill those types of jobs and it goes to trucking as well in the new trucking, regulations, yep. Yep. name it. I believe Canada right now is trying to negotiate some kind of trade deal uh, with the UK. There's the Irish situation, I guess, but we're supposed to be talking about Boris Johnson and his role in this. Right. So yeah, mm-hmm. you said you were talking about the massive majority there and that was, that was the, the election versus Corbyn. Mm-hmm. And the, the victory, at least in conservative minds is like, well, we kept this hard leftist out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That was so the other part case of, of, yeah. And, and Keir Starmer isn't really, he may end up prime minister, but he's, he's, you know, he's not really catching uh, people's imaginations widely. And, and maybe this isn't fair. And it, cause it's interesting that he was got the boots on moral grounds. You know, they're calling him on this moral issue. He's saying, Oh, I didn't really know he was doing that when everybody knew that this guy Pincher was doing this. Mm-hmm. Boris Johnson I thought it was interesting that that would it that's what it took was a moral scandal to upend this guy, mm. and yet you know, his own situation, let's say, bit of a shambles in that area. And you know, it's a bit disingenuous to have this big honking wedding. Mm. We've seen in the past with this guy that it doesn't really matter. He's been married twice before. You know, that is a bit of a sidebar, but at the same time, it's like I. It, if if you can't you can't be trusted in relationships, how on earth can you be trusted to run the UK? Right? He'll land. He'll somehow. He will land on his feet somehow. He'll come he'll up be with fine. some kind of gig. Yeah. Um. He'll be fine. Then he'll be fine. May you know at least financially he already is fine financially. I'd imagine. But yeah, he just he's the kind of guy that needs to be in the spotlight. That's his thing. That's the whole shtick, right? And he's got the he's you know. That's yeah. That's driving to be the bulldozer the, through the get Brexit done wall. They keep showing that clip. I was like, oh my god. That seems to be the theme of the day. People who love oh. the spotlight and probably shouldn't be there. You'll have to stew on that over dinner because that's the end of the show. Um, we'll have to leave you here. If you want to stay connected to us, <laughs> you can visit our website, Open Sources Twelve, Open Sources You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire and on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. If you'd like to listen to the show again, you can download it from our website every Monday at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter, and for all the great stuff that's on CFRU uh, throughout the week, check out cfru.ca slash shows and find out what's on. And find out what's on next here on CFRU by keeping your radio tuned here. That's CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another edition of Open Sources Guelph. And we will see you then.